Hello, everybody. Today is Tuesday, March 7th, and this is another edition of the MSP Initiative Live, and we are live in Orlando again. Yes, Ken, Orlando. Orlando. So as you can imagine, many, many events throughout the uh, calendar year in MSP land are here in Florida uh, and Orlando area. <laughs> <laughs> For obvious reasons. Yes. Um, so anyway, we're here at Exchange, uh, CR, uh, Channel Company, CRN Exchange. Uh, they you know, have two of these. Actually, there's more than two. There's... They do two exchange events that are sled in, sled in the regular exchange. Then they do Exchange Next Gen, which is in October, I believe. Then there's a, like a security one. Then they do a security, Exchange yeah. Security, which is in Dallas. Um, and then they have others like uh, MES and um, uh, what's that, Bob? Yeah, so sure, I'm sure everybody's run into the channel company somewhere uh, or another. But uh, yes, here we are uh, in Orlando. Uh, we're actually in a time where like the area is a little bit quiet, so we decided to use it as our recording space. But uh, uh, as uh, no surprise, many conversations happening. But let's get some housekeeping before we get too far into this. MSPinitiative.com. This and every other session we've recorded will be there uh, under the sessions tab. Um, we have our MSP community block parties, which are progressing, I promise you, and they will be interesting and uh, you don't want to miss them. So stay tuned for those. Uh, we have our MSP community minds events coming up this year, two of them. The dates may change, but uh, we are doing two in-person events. Uh, we're bringing uh, specialists from around the community and we're going to have them, you know, do more than PowerPoint you. Yeah. And then, um, Lastly is the um, uh, community offers. So if you go to the MSPinitiative.com under community offers, you'll see, uh, I think we have three posted, but I think there's another half dozen coming and just vendors from around the industry trying to do something a little special for what they're offering. And uh, that's the housekeeping stuff. There you go. So not often do we get to do this live in the same place, <laughs> uh, but um you know, Ken, you've, you've done a lot of these over the years. I know uh, for anyone that hasn't done like the MSP 500 list or um, there's like, you know, uh, three or four different like ranking lists for MSPs out of the channel company. And those are largely a lot of the people that show up to these events, right? People who, you know, get listed and ranked, um, you know, top one, you know, I think one's 250, one's five, five, yeah, 500. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's nice to see a handful of familiar faces, a lot of new people here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the uh, that's the beauty of this is being able to introduce new you know MSPs that have never done this before to the space so that they understand that you know when you talk about community, it's about getting into every community, going to events where MSPs are going to be that you maybe never met before. Also, getting to see new vendors and talk to folks like George and myself, and be, it, it's a um, you know, and I, I've been doing this you know for way longer than I could. We were just talking about an event ten years ago. Um, that I was at and I've been doing the exchange thing and the next gen thing forever. And as an MSP, I did it for many years. I sat on the exchange advisory board and then, yeah. And um, also um, when I switched over to Pax8, clearly Pax8 has a large presence here and, and they, they do this. So uh, coming to Taylor business, it was the first move I made was to get, you know, get back in here. And it's been amazing. Um, the MSPs that have never been here before, you definitely feel like you're drinking from a fire hose. There's a lot to take in. There's a lot to do. 
Um, if you don't know what these guys do, they actually pay for everything. They pay for your hotel. They pay for your flight. They pay for your food. They cover everything to get you here. So um, it's really cool, but they expect it's, a, you know, it's just like anything else, give and take, right? They're going to do all that, but you have to attend all their sessions and most importantly, the boardroom sessions, but it's well worth it. I, I built my MSP on the things that I learned at these events. And, you know, I learned about EOS at these events. I learned about some operational things I was doing wrong. And I also gained a large group of friends just by being at these events. Yeah. I mean, listen, a little bit of, uh, I think I, I was talking to a lot of people yesterday, but uh, <laughs> one guy was like, you know, it's great to be able to like, you know, like, ideas you know against right. each other and like <clears throat> creates that you know kind of you know open conversation that i think for years i still run into people who say oh no they're my competitor and we i'm still like do too. yeah from a, like, even the coaching perspective we run into that yeah. i'm like you got to drop the castle mentality man like fill in the moat you know walk around talk to people a lot of people out there in this business you know doing the hard work and i said this a lot of times yesterday it services managed services business it's a hard business. Yeah. This is not an easy business. I mean, if you want an easy business, you could sell hot dogs in the corner. That's right, easy. Right, right. Florist. I mean, uh, florist. Makes people happy just hand flowers. Well, until it's Valentine's Day. Well, then you're busier. It's not bad. Um, but I'm just saying, I didn't say it was an easy business. <laughs> um, but anyway, no, it's, it's definitely nice to hear people. You know, like, I love how people have gotten into the mode of like, oh, hey, I'm from this company in this area and I have this many endpoints under management. It's yeah. like this, the, it's like in the talk track and I'm starting to hear people say like, Hey, we're at four, five, six, 7,000 endpoints. And you're like, wow, it's starting to go <laughs> you know, progress in the other direction. Right. So uh, it's nice to see people actually like, you know, not getting stuck in place. I think that's one of the things that we hear a lot, right? People just hit a ceiling and they just coast. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you're right. It's, it's, it is interesting to bump into MSPs who are not talking about that first million. Although we all know how difficult that is. Very hard. You know, everybody's heard my story where I was literally going to take 10 grand on my own pocket to make the million. Cause we were at nine ninety for the longest <laughs> that year trying to get through it. Um, but it's still and listen, there's plenty of MSPs out there that are at that point and they need help and that's why you come to things like this to mm -hmm. learn and figure it out and then you get into groups like taylor business group and you know you start to sign up for things and, and that are going to get you to the next level but this trip a lot of the conversations were not about that first million but were about staffing at the rate that they're going right now because they're growing so fast they can't keep up with the staffing and it's not so much the feed on the street thing because i've been hearing a lot about remote workers from like the Philippines and other places that it's working out fairly well for folks. Um, and if you can do it, you're actually supporting an ecosystem over there too. That's, that's pretty amazing. It's not like uh, slave shops, like people think it is, um, but it's the feet on the street, right? You're, you're in Dallas and you're, you know, your business doubled and now you need some feet on the street and you need a body and struggling with that now more than ever. Well, it was interesting. I, at dinner last night, I was talking to uh, a guy who is part of a, you know, like a plat I call them platform MSPs, or that's what yeah, they're yeah, called, right? Yeah. Where they're doing a lot of acquiring of MSPs, kind of like a master MSP. Yeah, or just yeah. Uh, you know something somebody has venture back that's like you know trying to grow by right. acquisition, and uh, we've heard a lot of this, right? There's you know about twenty twenty five companies in this mode right now uh, that have a lot of BC money behind them. But anyway, long story short. Um, they want to retain, it's funny, when they 
acquire an MSP, they want to retain 100% of the staff, including the owner. Yeah. They don't like the owner walking away. And I was actually kind of shocked. We've all heard of all of these different, you know, deal structures when you're doing these things. Right. 100% cash up front. That's different. 100% cash up front. Now, they give you the opportunity to buy back in to the larger company. Right. But they're literally handing you a check, no earn out, no three-year, no, you know, split situation. Just wire you the money in full. That's, I've never heard of that. Well, and some of these companies have actually gotten so big and have acquired so many companies, they're acquiring very large EBITDA numbers before yes. they even talk to some of the MSPs, which is crazy to me because some of the numbers I heard were almost uh, out of the atmosphere. And they were saying, no, seriously, 90% of the business we're not going to accept unless it's over this much EBITDA. It's like, right. wow. So they're looking for mature MSPs too. Not all of them, but I was surprised to see some of the bigger ones were actually saying, nope, we're not going down that. We're not going to go down that stream anymore. We're going to move upstream and we're going to start hitting the more mature ones. Obviously, if you buy a more mature one, it's much easier to have it keep running while you own it and move it forward and build If you're going to build it into the existing fold, then great. But then it also can run on its own. Yeah. It's very interesting to hear that. Um, I don't want to give the name because I'm not trying to knock anyone. But last night at dinner as well, somebody's like, well, what about this company, right? And it was a company that was buying like million, million and a half, sub-million dollar MSPs. And then like they kind of disappeared, right? They made right. like 10, 12 acquisitions and then you didn't hear from them again. So it's hard, it's hard to roll up companies. Well, yeah, we know that. I mean, the good ones that did it usually – it worked well because they had all they all had similar PSA, they had similar similar accounting packages, so it was easier. And they, by the way, they were in a peer group, or they were so they were already working together. It was more of, wait, we're not just buying someone that we don't know. They knew each other for the last ten years. Instead of a handshake, it was a hug. Is the way that they was explained to me through some of these companies. But but, that did but, that. but that only gets you to a certain point. At some point, you go out, have to go outside of that bubble. No, I get that, but I'm saying. The reason why those ones were even as successful as they were is because they didn't have that. Because you know as well as I do, even the large acquisitions, even at the vendor level and the high PEs, the things that get in the way are like the accounting departments yeah. and the billing and trying to tie their systems together. And it never really works out that well, to be honest. Well, it's the number one thing we hear every time. Right. Why is my bill screwed up? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's not just, I mean, there actually there's an escalation to that. My bill screwed up but I can't reach anyone to fix it. Right, right. Like, it's okay if there's a screw up, as long as they can get a hold of someone and like make progression to a resolution. Like, if you call your credit card company and you can't get a hold of anyone, there's a problem, right? Like, at the end of the day- It's like the airlines. Well, unless you're <laughs> Frontier Air, as we said, who deleted their phone number and now you can't even call them. This was a horrible idea, by the way. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, okay. True. I'm going to keep saying it until they change your mind. Not that they're listening to this podcast. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, listen to the wise. Don't, don't delete your phone number. Um, yeah, but like being able to, that, that's the number one thing, like there's price. Everybody always talks about price. I understand. Quite frankly, it's not even the number one conversation anymore. It's how easily can I get a hold of someone and yeah. do you pick up your phone? Honest to God, it, it, it it's actually not good. It's a bad right. sign. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so, you know, so that, that's part of what we're hearing out there. You know, I've heard some other people, I mean, obviously. I was talking to a guy literally over here and he's like, I feel like everybody just took the word security and put it onto their, <laughs> you know, whatever backdrop banner or whatever. Right. And like, they're not even like, what, what does that mean? Like, it's now like, it's, it's such a vague term now. You don't even know what that means. 
I'm just looking around right now. We're surrounded by things that say security. I mean, but like, <laughs> like what kind of security? Do you have to go like the next step now? And it's like, was well, it endpoint security? Is it email security? Yeah. Is it, you know, encryption, whatever? So um, it's kind of interesting that that is clearly the buzzword. Who, who knew such a simple word would get, I mean, remember cloud, it was, it's been around for 20 years, but they found a name like cloud and all of a sudden it became super sexy. Uh, good marketing people somewhere. Well, yeah, they know exactly what the market wants apparently, but. I think cloud had been called maybe, I don't know, 13, 14 other iterations of cloud.net being one, you know, yeah. all, the, all the different things and nothing ever stick. It was just nerd talk. And then all of a sudden cloud. Seriously. Yeah, I know. And security, you know, we've all been talking about security forever, but you're right. There's different iterations and now it's even more important to talk about, you know, the actual you know, certifications and uh, levels of security. And, you know, you got all these acronyms, right? Your CMMC, CMMC CIS, CGIS. You know, but here's the problem. The street, the, street the, the, the average decision maker at any business in America, they have no idea what these, these terms right, mean. Right. Cloud was easy to understand. All these other terms, they have no freaking clue. It's true. And by the way, we're all listening, right? I saw Wes Spencer and a couple of people talking about the, you know, the new White House directive yeah. where they're trying to like, shift liability to the service provider instead of the, the actual end company, which I think is ridiculous, by the way. Of course it is. Uh, and I'm like, no average business or even maybe even a more than average business is going to be watching that. No. They have no clue. And like, to be honest with you, I'll go a step further. You know, I know exactly what's happening. Every year, the insurance company shows up with their, you know, growing question list. And then they figure out, well, who do I got to talk to to get this, this uh, questionnaire filled out? And then it opens up Pandora. That's what happens. Other than that, they haven't heard nothing. Yeah, it's, uh, it, <laughs> it's very interesting. And it all, it all boils down to who do we want to do this, the government or us? Because we know what happens when the government does it. Um, no, we don't because nothing happens. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I... I it doesn't sound like legislation is coming down anytime soon. It just sounds like these are the guidance that's being put out, but like it's not actual concrete in, in, in writing passes the law, whatever. So, you know, I started in when I started this podcast and I said, you know, the IT services, MSP business, it's a hard business, it is. but it's getting harder. It is. It is. Because like, if you don't have, if you don't have someone in your organization now, who's, at least the the you know the manager of your security vendors, you're already behind. I'm not saying you have to have a security practice running in your you know internal employee no, set. You do not. But I'm just saying, like, if you don't have somebody who's at least managing the vendors that you outsource to, you're already in trouble. I don't know. But uh, I was at Writer Boom a couple weeks. Yeah. Like, actually, to be honest with you, the last. 30 days in terms of IT channel events has been, it's been pretty crazy. Yeah. So we had Super Bowl. Don't get me started. I'm going to be sorry. And right a boom. You had Nerdy O'Connor in Cancun, which by all accounts, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I heard the Wi-Fi might've been a little slow, but you know, they're on Mexico time. Right. And then we have Exchange. Yep. And I believe in a week from now, Com there's yeah. CompTIA in Chicago. Yep. So it's like for, for March, you know, February, March, pretty busy. Yeah. More than I would expect. But anyway, so is that right? A boom. On the left, I took, you know, a couple of people out to dinner. Surprise, surprise. On the left-hand side of the table, I have a guy saying, yeah, we're averaging like $70 an endpoint. On the right side of the table, I have JP who's like, 
how, how do you how do you make money right. seventy dollars an endpoint? He's like, I'm 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 like two hundred dollars an endpoint, right. like one seventy five two hundred, and I'm like, at seventy dollars, there's no way you're delivering any security. That or so, you're just not making any money. Well, what was the answer? The answer was, that was his full stack seventy dollars an endpoint. The the answer is is that like they were adding security a la carte. Okay. Instead of bundling it into the into the into the cost. And even still, when they added security into the cost, they were still you know, sub hundred. They were like right under hundred. And I'm like, I don't think that's profitable. So there was a little bit of learning there, but like you're hearing people now talking 250, 275, 300 a seat. Yeah. And like not blinking. Is that, you know, I don't want to name any marketing companies out there that like, you know, oh, if you're not charging X dollars per seat, 500, like, 600, 700, 800. Oh, sorry. 1200, 1800. Um, <laughs> no, but like, really, like you're talking to a lot of people. Yeah. Is that, is that what is 300 reasonable? Well, again, I always, I, look, we know what, we know what's, what is attainable. We know what you can get for your, your dollar. Right. So let's take that. I think that the MSPs, sure. They can be, they can be arranged there. If they know their cost, their real cost, and then they decide what they want to market up. That's cool. But at 70 or even 100, looking at the tools that I see out there, I don't see this way to do that and have any kind of profit built in. I would, so that's why I don't go crazy when someone says, you know, one person says 175 and the other person says 300. It depends on their stack, how thick it is, what they're doing, and then what their margin is on top of that. So the first thing is MSPs have to learn what, what their margins are, break down their costs, understand their profitability. But this, it seems like it's a, you know, like we're building rocket science here to figure it out. No, like, I think what's happening is a lot of people are just basically hearing what other people charge and say, Hey, I should charge that. But they're not actually looking at their where real costs are. You see that happen all the time. It's a continuous, well, I guess the market is now 200 endpoints. So that's what I'm getting. That's great. But do you know if your tools cost 190? You know what I mean? So the bigger thing is figuring out what your actual costs are. Then you can decide what you want to market up and what that number is. The only reason that it comes up when someone talks about 70, as you and I know, there's not many tools you can get, in, especially on the security side, that can do that. That, now. that or you're not charging enough right. for labor. And they also said to you that they were doing the security a la carte, which is fine. But if you're doing that, if that security a la carte is only $35 more up on endpoint, it's, you know, it should be looked at. Yeah, you know, and George just hit up on on something that is the real important factor, and that's the tool costs are insignificant. It's the cost of labor to manage the thing. Right. It's that's all... that's the big killer in in all this stuff. Oh my gosh, I can go through and I can I can sell that backup solution for five dollars, but it cost me one hundred and fifty to manage it throughout the yep. month. You yeah, uh, I I mean. Labor labor cost is no joke. If anything, that should be the one thing that everybody's paying attention to the most. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of cool tools out there that can help you understand on a customer by customer basis what your right. your situation looks like monthly, not even quarterly, yearly. I'm talking about like, did you make money off this customer this month? Here's a problem. A lot of people, and, th and this is not necessarily a problem. It's just the nature of business, right? You have these grandfather customers and They've been charging the same way for a long time right. and they pay their bill and you, you know, maybe they're not, you know, the pain in the ass customer that we all talk about. And then like, but you never went back and actually trued them up. Right. Right. But then like, you're trying to grow the new customers like this over here. And then there's an imbalance. Right. So when you go back and do your profitability, you see a rolling scale, newer customers, so older customers in terms of what your profitability margin is, you know, like it's different, but 
it doesn't matter if those customers are paying in the ass or not. If they're not profitable, you have to have the conversation. Yeah. Right. So I get what you're saying. Cause believe me, you get comfy, right? We're getting a check every month and they don't really bother us. But if you look at the bottom line and figure out that it's not profitable and it's just, it is a problem. It's bringing your total profitability down. You have to fix that. And of course you don't have to go right at them and fire them. There's ways to do this easily. Come at, you know, come with them to a, we come with to them with a plan. Sometimes you'll find that people are very open to raising, rising their prices because they don't want to lose you. But a lot of the MSPs are afraid to even have that conversation. And then if you are going to do it, we talk about books like the pumpkin plan that show you ways to offload those customers that aren't fitting your new model and how you're doing. Well, you, you, you talked about back in the day, you, you would actually recommend them to somebody else. Oh yeah. I would find a, another company that was willing to take on that liability, whatever. And that guys, uh, it's, it's not a, it's not a hard conversation. I've, right. In fact, before I understood all these concepts, when I bought this MSP, um, and I just discovered afterwards, we were minus 2% net profitability when I bought it. Right. Um, and so I just went through and I analyzed every one of our clients by profitability and I sorted them. Now, did I know the exact true cost of everything? I didn't know exactly, but if somebody was, you know, showed up on the model at 30% underwater, I'm pretty sure they're not profitable. So I would just go on and have that conversation and say, Hey, dear client, we love you as a client. We've been doing business for a long time, but I got a problem. And so how are we going to fix this? We either got to reduce the noise, reduce the scope, or you pay me more. What do you say? And I just did that rinse and repeat quarter after quarter. I'd pick a handful of clients. It took four years to do it, but we, you know, remedied the situation. And it's amazing what happens when you stop the bleeding of those people that are 50% underwater. Did you, did you lose any customers when you had the conversation? Yeah, a few. And really what happened because, you know, we're really nice guys. What happened is we still kind of bent over backwards, but, um, those clients that really weren't a fit, they ended up going away on their own over the years because they just knew what it was like before of how much service they got yep. and they weren't happy, you know? And so some of those, they went away to other MSPs and then they came back and said, Hey, uh, we found out the grass wasn't green on the other side. We'll pay you, you know, we'll pay you double what we were before now and be happy about it. So that's, uh, that's cool. Cause you know, like not all MSPs are created equal. We know about oper operational maturity level yep. and all that jazz, but here's a problem. Let me, let me ask you a question, Bruce, because, you know, like you actually bought an MSP. You didn't start from the ground zero. So that's, that's kind of nice because, you know, at least you had an a running vehicle, right? Um, yeah. So when you, you know, when you went, before you bought the company, when you were doing your due diligence, did this conversation come up and, and, and you know, like in terms of, you know, I'm sure there was books and financial shared and all that jazz, like there usually is in, a, in an acquisition, like, you know, of anything, but like, did, when you went and looked at the original due diligence, was it obvious that the company was not making money? And then did that play into how much, you know, you ultimately paid for the business? Uh, it was a little bit of a different situation because actually I worked, you know, we all worked together and the original owner, he wanted out. Okay. And, our hand was up against the wall. So there was actually a competing bid that came in and it was no matter what it's worth, it got money on the table. So we had to match that. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's, listen, even if you, even if you, you know, did your due diligence or didn't have, weren't forced into this, what you did after the fact is the most important piece. You guys really, 
did a great job turning that around. And, and, you know, yeah, you say it took four years, but you know what, if you never start, it never gets done and being able to go in there, analyze it, check it. And again, you probably could have did that beforehand if there was, if you, if your hand wasn't forced, but yeah. these things, when they're working, even if they're working at a low profitability, if they're working and running and they're, they're able to stay above water, it only takes. But, but if he was in, in the business, right. If you talk to tax on the front line. Yeah. Yeah. They know what customers don't want to pay, and we'll cut. Like oh, they know the yeah. customers that I fixing this. Sure. So, did yeah. you probably have an inkling, Bruce, on those? I'm sure you did. Oh yeah, I mean, I had an idea. I wasn't back before I became a, a true majority owner. I didn't have true visibility, and I didn't have the understanding really. That's what it's been a great journey, just understanding financials and margins, and you know, versus markup um, over the past several years. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, we all knew those PIA clients and the ones that, you know, don't like to pay. But the point was, um, it was still a benefit, even though we were underwater, having a, a mature company that has a client base um, was such a big benefit because, you know, all those vendor relationships are set up, the clients are already there. It's a great place to start from, even if, you know, we were slightly underwater, we could come in and fix it. And we did the emergent thing emergency thing we all took pay cuts so that we could shore the you know shore it up and then we just went out and started talking to clients hmm. so how long ago is that uh five years ago all right so it took so it took you until last year to finish cleaning up all of the back mess right the, yeah yeah it took four year. years it took four years so have you added any new customers since oh yeah yeah and that was the other thing in hindsight Actually, you know, I don't know if, if it would have been better in hindsight, because it's always, you know, uh, rosier looking back, you forget about things. <laughs> we talk about, hey, we should have just, you know, burned the bridges and cut all the old clients and cut them off and just focused on new clients. But I don't know if that really would have worked or not, because clients don't fall out of trees into your lap. This is true. <laughs> and if you've true. got somebody paying it's a lot easier to keep that client and slightly bump them up. And we did, you know, we had various strategies where I go to some clients and say, Hey, we're 50% on the water, but I don't want to hit you with it all in one time. So how about we do a tiered this first year, you give me 10% of it, you know, yada, 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 until we get you up to the true. That worked for some others said, no, others said yes. And then eventually left, but most I'd say the vast majority probably 80% stuck around and paid. Okay. Well, that's good. That's real good. That's, that's, uh, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, um, cash flow is king. <laughs> that, I mean, I, I don't care what business, I don't care if you're running a water ice stand or an MSP. Like, cash flow is king. And to your point, you made a good point. Hey, if you have money coming in and you can find a way to get it, like, make it work, you'd rather keep that cash flow coming in if you can. Yeah, true. To a point. To a point. Like if you're if you're losing money on it, obviously not. But right. uh, cash flow is king, and and quite frankly, the more cash flow you have, better off every business is. And I think that a lot of MSPs stretch themselves and end up borrowing money when they're you know obviously if they don't know they're on there. But at some point, somebody looks at the bank account and says, "Well, I have more money going out than I have coming in, and I'm underwater." Right? The problem is is a little bit of incongruency on how you're buying these products from the vendors too, right? right? And we hear this all the time, right? I don't want to sign a five-year deal, three-year deal, two-year deal.
because my customer is it's not it's not aligned properly, right? Because now there's my customer may be on like this you know renewal cycle or this situation, or a lot of MSPs have a hey based on the size of your company, if you wanted to opt out, you can opt out anytime, but here's the amount of time we need to afford you, right? Yep. But at the end of the day, um, we're starting to hear, and we heard it last night again at dinner. There's a very lot of people at that dinner. <laughs> uh, we heard it last night at dinner that um, like, there's like an alternate stack kind of being built of all of these products that don't lock you into you know, the three-year <laughs> three right. plan. So... Here's the problem. And so many problems in this business. Um, a lot of the products in that stack, the customer doesn't even see. That's right. It's just the things that you run use on the back end to run the business, but the customer doesn't give a crap. Nope. They just need to make sure that their stuff's working. If they need help, they can get a hold of you. That's what's in their mind, right? But now with liability and things of that nature, you have to actually share, at least have it in the, the uh, agreement. Right, just uh, basically points to where the liabilities fall. I mean, that's the new way of this is all falling down. Isn't that really just the terms of yes, the contract? Yes, but I mean, you're really still tying to that. I agree. I mean, my you know, my whole philosophy was stop talking about the product and start talking about the solution and just make it about the solutions. When you start talking about tools and toys and all that, they don't listen. All they hear is tools and money, that's all they hear. And that's not a good conversation to have when you're saying, wait, you have problem X, Y, and Z, and I have a solution for X, Y, and Z. That's all they care about. Yeah. Uh, and price. Well, yeah, but it's easier to talk about price when you're talking about solving a problem instead of selling a tool. Fair. Yeah, that's, um, that's key. That right there. Find the problem. Right. I don't think price matters as much as vendors are going to start having to give value. I mean, really give value. They said they want a three-year contract and support goes away. Innovation goes away. They're not staying up. You're going like, if they want long-term contracts, they need to be uh, bilateral, not unilateral. I think I saw Keith mention this on a post I saw on LinkedIn yesterday, where yeah. he's like, you should have the ability to charge your vendor back when they don't do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if I miss a dispatch, I'm charged. Really? Oh, Yeah. How, what is, that's why I charge so much for the product, right? And, and and if you're a contractor and you miss a date, you're charged. Yeah. Vendors can just go, oh, well, I'll answer your ticket in six weeks. And you're going like, when they have an outage, it's on them. Can you so imagine sending an invoice to your vendor? I think it's. I think we should just try it. I think we should get some MSPs to try it. Just start sending and invoices? If something goes wrong, send an invoice. Send an invoice. It's not a bad I idea. Three-year contracts would hold up in court, not in California court. I would say, here's your outages. Here was the SLA you promised. Here's what you delivered. You breached the contract. Do they give an SLA anymore? Yeah, it's on the see, and, and it's something Bradley Gross and I have debated many times. Contracts do not override the material representations you made. To get the deal. But what happens in the beginning of the contract when it says nothing that we talked about before this contract is valid? Only this contract is valid. Tough shit. Change your <laughs> advertising. Okay, so you, that that'll still hold over in California, Keith? Oh, I've seen it hold. I told you about the court case where that young individual, the, the all they were bringing up was his website. Period. You advertise this on your website. 
you said you were a computer doctor. You, um, you know, said you would secure the network and you didn't do shit. Period. Hmm. I, I, and I, I, everything I in the this, MSA and the contract. I wish this court case was recorded, like court TV, you know? <laughs> and like we could go back and like watch it again. Yeah. Uh, I, it's going to happen all, it happens all the time. Why would MSPs or technology be different than any other business? Sure. You see that happen in car lemon laws. You read your auto contract, it basically says, we could sell you a piece of crap and get away with it. And the courts have said, no, no. There's implied and explicit warranties and no one reads the contract to its fullest. The world knows that. Hey, Keith, is that that term, the concept of uh, equitable value exchange? And if there's not an equitable value exchange, then the contract doesn't hold? Right. There's, you can't, it's, and, that, and that goes with a lot of what these um, vendors are trying to pull. We, we had you sign this contract for XXXX and you're going, wait a minute. You, you agreed to supply something too. There has to be an exchange of value and you provide, and you're providing them. Isn't it dollars for service? An, an implied service, yes. Not dollars just because I sold you a little tool to put in your bat belt. No, it's for service that has to be working. And now you know, they're hosting it and the hosted site's down you're going like, that's an outage. Look at what look at what they've done with cable companies. You can charge them back for an outage. You can. Yes. Where is that? California, definitely, and other states too. Not, not, not in any states I've been in yeah. recently. I mean, I didn't know that. So, how do you? What do you send them an invoice? You just if they have an outage over a reasonable time, you can charge back for service. We just had in our city, and they won in the local court where the city-owned municipality was constantly two to three dates, days late on picking up trash. Oh. Local court ruled people can have a refund. You have to, you have to supply value. Trash on time? No. And I think, by the way, if MSPs stick up and just start saying, no, you're not going to dictate. The problem is we're not very unified in that regard. And we should be. You're going like you, you can't just you can't just call the shots and expect us to sit there and say I'm going to pay for your piece of garbage product that was outdated two years ago because you haven't updated because you you know you you went into the equity market and now you're you're just run by CFOs. It's the Southwest Airlines story. Oh, the Southwest Airlines said they're going to spend a billion dollars to upgrade their infrastructure, their technical IT infrastructure, so that whatever happened over Christmas time doesn't happen again that's a it should have never happened in the first place southwest airlines was run by operations people follow the history of the company the ceo and cfo were operations they decide to make a money book and those people just look at dollars and cents and say product has no value we already have a lawyer loyal customer base and it blew up in their face and it's the same thing that we should push for I think in the business, I don't mind giving a vendor a contract or paying them. And I don't even want to argue about price. Give me what I need to sell, which is value. A consistent value. That billion dollars makes you feel good? Billion with a B. Yeah, but they didn't say over what course of time. That's true. So they could tell you, we're going to invest a billion dollars. And then you find out in the fine print that it's over 10 years. Yes. <laughs> 
So they're not going to really be better until the the 10th year. And then guess what? It's all outdated again. I mean, if if they have another incident like that, at some point there's, there's got to be an exodus. I would think there already is one. I mean, I don't think, I think people's patience were short on that. Anyways, I'm not a big Southwest fan. Anyways, I'm not standing like, you know, cattle being corralled onto a plane. I mean, it could be I, if you can, I don't get it. I look at it and I go, you saved a couple hundred dollars on a three or four hour flight. Does that mean you're a minimum wage worker? I mean, come on, dude. Have a, have a big mean, seat. But, but hold on. Let me, all right. Let me give you, let me give you an option. Uh, you're, you're a what United. Um, I just use an Amex travel United and Delta. Yeah. Okay. So United or Delta, you have to take a layover Southwest direct flight. Um, I'm flying to Chicago direct. In fact, I'm going to Chicago next week for CompTIA. Okay. I'll be there. So, um, Southwest had a direct flight out of Ontario. Okay. But what do I care? I use a car service to go to the airport. But the car service will take you to either gate. It's all good. Yeah. I go, I'll go to LA. They have a lounge. One's direct. One, you have a, let's say you had a layover on the, on the airline you want or direct flight in the airline I you don't. I take the layover. I'm, I don't have a layover. I'm direct yeah, flight in. Southwest ever. Direct flight. Um, <laughs> when am I flying? Direct flight United <laughs> into Chicago. <laughs> Sitting in the George seat, 1A. Well, you know, so, so, sometimes 1A is occupied and I got to be in 22A. <laughs> I, t- I said, when I, when I make my reservations, they say, how do you want to fly? I said, George style. Uh, do they understand him. what that means? It's Keith style. Let's just get it straight. Yeah. Dude goes to the airport in a limo. I think he gets carried onto the plane. They sit him in his one uh, like, like the Farah? Yep. And they take okay. a, they tuck a blanket around him and make sure he's all good. And then they come on the plane and they carry him off. Wow. That's and, sounds... and then they put him in his limo to the hotel. Sounds you nice. Know? Do you want to deal with those people at the airport? No, I'm no. not saying. I'm just speaking from pure jealousy, Keith. Oh no, I mean it's <laughs> it's not worth my stress level. Otherwise, yeah. I'll have no hair. Like, oh wait, I don't want to mention it. <laughs> what yeah, are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. Well, if for those of you that follow me on the feeds, uh, I you know often get stopped at security as as we've said many a time. I don't know. Did you no. hear that? No. This time I didn't get stopped at security, but everything else didn't go well. Couldn't check in, had to go to the counter. They had to like, you know, 20 minutes to get my boarding pass. And then you know, went to the went to the rental car place. And the, you know, that was jacked up for some reason. I had to redo it. And then then like, you know, went to the wrong address than I was supposed to because it, you know, it wasn't updated somewhere. And then like all of a sudden I'm like, man, this is quite the day. And like, but security didn't stop me today. So that's like so, but you know what? Good day. It wasn't as bad because security didn't stop right. me. Not gonna lie. Listen. No rubber glove. It's a good day. <laughs> they don't. It's not always rubber glove. Oh, every time. Every time they see you coming, they're like snapping it. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he always gets selected. Ah, <laughs> uh, but Alec made it to Cancun without getting, you know, without getting stopped by the cartel. Yeah, true. You know the one. One time I went, I, I was I, um, carrying a backpack through, and I forgot that I'd gone shooting the day before. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, res- res- residue, right? 
No, I had a loaded, I had a loaded uh, magazine of, of home defenders, which a loaded magazine is actually considered a loaded weapon. And the guy just was really cool. I'm walking through um, TSA through, you know, and the, and the guy goes, oh, um, do you have a CCW in California? And I go, yeah, why'd you ask? I'm thinking like, what a weird question. He goes, because you have a loaded magazine in your backpack. That's funny. I, I had heard the story of the- And he uh, didn't do any other instructions. He just asked me, he goes, you want to take it downstairs to your car? And I, <laughs> and I called, I called um, my limo guy and I said, um, would you come up to TSA and pick up a magazine? I'm going to the plane. Yikes. So no. I had heard the story of the gun range, Keith, where they went to the gun range that day, went to the airport, and the residue, the gunpowder residue, was on their, on their stuff, and it caused a whole problem at the airport. Yeah, yeah. I think they think I go a lot of uh, shoot a lot of guns. No, you don't shoot a lot of guns. I don't. I don't. But but, but I definitely get to check. You're vaguely ethnic. Uh, you already well, know that. I think it's because you're loyal to a team not located in the United States. Oh, <laughs> oh. last time right. I checked, Pennsylvania was in the United States. Probably before Dallas was. I think so. Not Philadelphia. Not no. Once those the, the, that. Not do we do we have to do a fact check here? No, we don't. <laughs> we just know where he's coming from. I mean, okay, this guy's living in the '90s. I mean, nothing's happened there since '96, anyway. So you know. No, I just, I don't know if you've heard the news the other day. What's that? Stephen Jones says we're winning a, so a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott. He actually said that. He said, uh, I have 100% confidence it, we're going to win. I think winning. it's more likely that they'll draft Dak Prescott's replacement, eventual replacement, in this year's draft. I think what you meant to say was we're no, going to win. No, I, I think they'd like to try, but I don't think in the rounds they have, there's a there's – a, quarterback available of that caliber it's a heavy draft for quarterbacks yeah and some of them just dropped because of uh some of these moves that are happening right now so yeah i would think you trade for the kid that was going number wasn't one that, wasn't Dak prescott in the fourth round he was he was third yeah, fourth yeah I mean, that's, that's that's the luck i mean i think really when your team's older like ours is like our line you can't bring in a new i think the the mode you have to take a quarterback off the market Oh, so you want Aaron? What happened in Philadelphia? Come on, that was luck, right? You don't normally develop a quarterback that quick. He's a great quarterback. I'm not taking that away. But what's North harder, develop a quarterback or to grow a grass field? <laughs> no, you have to water a grass field. And they were watering it, George. They were watering it. <laughs> have you ever heard of a grass field costing eight hundred thousand uh, dollars? I it, it, listen. If it, I don't, if it's going to because you're having a billion dollar event and the field is garbage, that's a eight hundred thousand dollars for a field. We're not talking about turf. It's not. There's not a twenty five year warranty on it. We're talking about one game. And what's the cost on that eight hundred thousand dollar field? Right. <laughs> no, I think clearly, usually clearly that eight hundred thousand did not go to the field. Yeah, this is like <laughs> I'm going to build a new terminal at the airport. Two point seven billion. 2.7 billion didn't get to the actual terminal. Right. Maybe 900 million. The rest of it, we know where that went. Fat pockets. Yeah, yeah. Not $800,000 fields. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Sade, and, you grow, and you're trying to grow grass on a true desert land. Well, I mean, listen, 
that's why they're they're called the sod father, right? I mean, they're effectively, you know, growing grass, watering it. It's probably like in a greenhouse type operation. I don't know. I don't know how you grow. Well, grass. it's pretty bitching. It, it rolls out. No, no, no. But before it went on to the tray. I got an idea. Yeah. Don't have the Super Bowl in the desert. I mean, well, hold on a second. Would you rather go to a conference in negative 15 or 70? No, but you don't have to do Arizona either. You can pick some of the nice places. You know how this works. These towns, these cities bid on that. Yeah, no kidding. And why would you give it to anything in your right mind to Minnesota, New Jersey? Like, really? There's no, first of all, the Super Bowl is an experience. When you go there, you have to have places to go and be able to go walk between. Oh, they places. had ice sculptures in the street, negative 15. Yeah, of course they did. Those were people that just got frozen. <laughs> they got. <laughs> they they were going to give San Diego like four out of the next 12 Super Bowls if they had built. A yeah, new but they were also screwing the people of San Diego. So they told them to go screw themselves because they were making more money off Comdex than they were off the NFL. Yeah. And that's what their stadium does now. It's Comdex events. What? The old uh, Qualcomm? The, the, uh, no, no, not Comdex. The, what's the Comic-Con? Comic-Con. That's what they do. They're, 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 that's torn down. Had to find good sound. You can uh, it's a brand new. It's a brand new uh, San Diego State Stadium. You guys know James from Acronis? He's in the yes, house. Yes, I do. How are y'all doing? Good. Yeah, uh, uh, Qualcomm Murphy is is now the Aztec uh, CS uh, SDSU home field, built back to about half the size. Hmm. It's about thirty thousand. I heard the stadium's still there. It is still there. No, it's not. My oh, daughter gone. That's cool. It's gone. Look on online. Look on SDSU online. They reop they opened it this year. They tore it to the ground. And it's just a brand new college stadium alone. Well, it's the first city to really stand up to the NFL because everybody else just caved when they when they say we'll bring Super Bowls here, we'll do this, we'll do that. Yes, we do. I mean, they lost an NFL franchise. That doesn't happen often. Yeah, well, they didn't just lose it, they gave it away. They lost they gave away the Clippers too. When they, Did they, they? let the San Diego yeah, they, they, and I then let the San Diego it's forward. too bad Remember, though, because a... quite honestly, San Diego is a great place to see a Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and the Clippers used to have a real nice arena. It's, Listen, a, it's a little close to the border. Even here, even used. Have you ever crossed the border going to Tijuana? Yes. I don't do, like my kidneys right where they are. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Keith said yes. <laughs> speaking speaking about crossing the border, I came back from a trip in Tijuana where I was down there for an extended period of time. I walked across with a roll with a rolling luggage suitcase at midnight and they just said, come on in. I'm like, do you want to check my ID or anything? Like, nah, we, we just trust going it. into Mexico. No, no. Coming back in the United States. When was this? That was in night. It was before nine 11. It was, uh, yeah, there yeah, yeah, it was before nine 11. It was in the late, late nineties, but I couldn't believe it even still back then. I remember, I remember going into Mexico. You just go through a turnstile, some dude there with yeah. a machine gun, and then you see taxi cabs lined up, and that's it. I mean, it's easy to get in. Not for you. <laughs> we used to go to when we were in high school. We used to go to Mexico all the time. Just walk across yeah. the border. Yeah. Well, listen. There's an MSP right on the border that half his team speaks Spanish, and they have business in Mexico. And we were just talking to this guy, and I'm like, this just sounds dangerous. And he did say there's some extra things they have to do to, for security to get where they're going. And I was questioning whether it was worth it just from a liability standpoint, but he had a whole team. They were, I mean, they were on the border. They were so close to the border. We could literally see the other side. We could see the airport, the airport, the top of the tower. We were very close. And 
they still go in and out now to these days. Of course, they have, you know, all the proper information, but I, it's still, I was like, nope, I wouldn't do that. Did it charge yeah. a surcharge for going across? They have, they have charges for all of it that are built in. Yeah, because they're, and the other side doesn't care because apparently they can't get that level of service over there. Obviously, it's just not as organized. So um, these guys have these special deals and they're going in. They're not going like just over the border. They're going into the jungle. They have special vehicles. It was a whole bunch of stuff he was talking about. I thought for a second, Bruce was on like Narcos Mexico. <laughs> you know, he was like, I got to go look at the, like the cast list and see if he's in there. Yeah, uh, it literally used to be no big deal. We yeah. would go high school all the time. You'd go down to Mexico, you'd buy fireworks, drink, walk across the border. Well, you could say one thing about uh, crossing the border. At least Mexico is not flying any balloons. <laughs> they are, but they're just a carnival, carnival type. Oh, I see. They pop when they get that high. <laughs> uh, well, one thing's for sure. Um, it is definitely becoming a little bit more competitive. On the <laughs> we're 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 in the we're we're in the traffic zone. Uh, there, it's definitely becoming a little bit more competitive in terms of connectivity down, well, uh, you know, on the other side of the border. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, Keith, Keith's talking about charging back the cable company, but I mean, on the other side, it's actually pretty good high speed. Oh. <laughs> you guys can come say hello. Come on. What are you talking about George's? Yeah, he's got a little. Yeah, yeah, a little stubble. No, we're live, but you guys come say hi. We'll so say how is how is the famous man? people coming in? We got Charlie Tamale. We got Adam. We got from, Adam Slutskin. Yeah. Look at these guys. Hey guys, you got the flow right here. Yeah. What's up, man? Hey, how are you? Yeah. Are you staying tonight? No, we're headed. I'm, I'm I'm taking Charlie to the airport. <laughs> yeah, got it. Got a got a got a crack back to to the north and freeze a little. Anyway, yeah, um, I I definitely well, you're going to Chicago next week, yeah, and then the week after you get back to Chicago, I'm going to London. Yeah, no London for me. Yeah, yeah, pretty sure it's still chilly over there. Might be just a little. Um, but the IT industry never sleeps. No, nope. That's why Keith was busting us saying we look like we're hungover. I saw that. <laughs> I I mean I you know. Keith doesn't do alcohol. He's more the cigar guy. Right. Yeah. Or alcohol and cigars. I think I, so. I don't drink much at those events. They don't invite me anymore anyway. I'm, you know, it's like. Uh -oh. <laughs> your, 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 your favorite, your favorite uh, other person in the channel isn't bringing you to events anymore, Keith? Oh, wow. No, he never, <laughs> he only, he never really, he only did one. Only once? Yeah. What kind of son is that? I don't know. <laughs> wow. He only did once, I think. Okay. Now we know. That was a lot. That was a lot of online fanfare for once. Anyway, yeah. I digress. Um, you were telling me about the story where you met a guy here. What was it like? Five years ago, six yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a whole data center, right? Yeah, yeah. It's funny. We we talk about like the how sometimes people actually listen and you have a conversation. By the way, this I didn't even know what the hell I was saying at the time. I at least I, you know, my thing was about liability, always has been. But about five years ago, we were at one of maybe six, we were at one of these events, and I hadn't seen the guy since then. And then he showed up here and we were talking in the hallway, and everybody was kind of chit-chatting. I'm like, oh dude, how's your data center going? He's like, Oh, funny you should mention that, Ken. 
um, after the conversation you and I had, I went back and reevaluated stuff and I just got rid of my last two servers in my data center and I've moved everything to AWS. And I was kind of stepped back a little bit. Everybody was looking at me. I'm like, wow, because we just had a conversation about liability. I don't care about all the things you think you can do, but having a data center of your own in your building. And I don't know, to me, I would worry about the liability. And we had that conversation and apparently he listened. Now this was before cloud all started going crazy and taking off and doing what it's doing. So I'm sure that helped him along the way since he just finished his last two in-house servers. But yeah, that was an interesting conversation thinking that you come to an event, you hear different perspectives and then you go home and apply it. And somebody now, actually listened. And now he's actually doing really well with AWS. Huh? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you talk and people listen. One time. It's the one. He's the guy. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know how people the game money in those, you know, where they, they're like, you do, you, you think you're saving a dime and you're wasting all this labor time. I just don't get it. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are some people that do it really well. And even then I still say there's still the liability piece, but there are people that I know that have great efficiencies in place understand how it works they also get a lot of money from the hardware vendors and they work deals to get covered and so there is ways to make it a, a, you know profitable because i know some people that are doing it very well but to me it all boils down to that same thing liability At the end of the day when something happens whose shoulders does that all rest on is it rest on well, microsoft does it rest I'll, on so all you're doing is you're using the big company name you know shtick well, right, you, can, you can sue George running this this little yeah, operation. Exactly. What, you got to go sue Amazon? Right, cloud? exactly. And this was back then before we were talking about cloud. So maybe that shifts a little bit. But my whole thing was that, yes, of course. You put that into your agreement. You say, this is who's supplying it. This is how it's being done. Uh, it falls right into Brad Gross's whole legal piece, I know, right? I know. And that was way back then because for me, it was like, shit they're already putting so much on us now i'm terrified of what they put on the msp space for as far as pushing back wow. and trying to put it on like we said MSP just not long ago right they're like oh we're gonna make the service provider the person responsible yeah, right. it's like come on oh lord i think brent was gonna say something there and he go ahead go ahead brent still with us Sorry about that. <laughs> i was i was thinking Taking I was back. just making a comment back to Ken here when he said that somebody was listening to him. It's like, you know, dude, that's got to make you feel pretty good to have somebody actually listen to your advice right. and then have it kind of make a difference in their business and their life, you know? So anyway, kudos. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's the one, right? I got to mark it down somewhere and say, at least I did it once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have more than one win. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, you know. Yeah, I, it's a, I can it's, listen. It's it's we all help each other. That's the whole game. That's how it works. If we're not all helping each other, then what what are we here? What are we doing it for? I agree. Well, we're doing it to make a living. Yes, but if, That's we, if we're sure. not helping each other, we're not going to do that as well. I agree. I agree. It's very interesting times. Um, so you know, good news is a lot of help out there. Yes. Not so great news is. You need to help because it's getting harder. Right, right. Uh, but I do like the fact that um, every time you get a lot of smart people in the room and you know, they're willing to open up a little bit, that's where the learning happens. No offense to the boardrooms of the world, but uh, I think we learn more in the hallways. That's me. Or at the bar. Yes. Or at dinner. Or smoking cigars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're going to uh, we're gonna wrap it up today. 
Got one more day here in Orlando. Uh, we'll keep on doing these Tuesdays, Thursdays, one o'clock Eastern time. Uh, and uh, stay tuned for uh, for what's coming up in the uh, the the other parts of the year here. But uh, a lot this year opened up with a bang. Yeah, absolutely. Ready to rock and roll. I, I mean, we'll see what it looks like midway and. That's why we don't get run over by 600 pounds of tables in about five seconds. That's a lot of tables. <laughs> all right, guys, MSPinitiative.com. Stay tuned there. We'll post all these sessions up on there. Catch you on the next one. All right. Great. See you guys. Yeah. Thanks, man.